So we have a potentially huge story that, as of the time I'm putting this together, no one else is talking about. It's very strange, but not unexpected. In that story, Francis just comes out and says it. He says that he is on the brink of the H-word. Heresy. Yes, he said it. And he said it in his traditional place for just speaking off the cuff to the opinion makers of the world. So get strapped in, grab a beverage, and get ready for this one because Francis is feeling very, very bold these days. And he is now just speaking his mind unfiltered yet again. And this feeling of boldness should keep us alert for future moves he makes. The piece was originally posted by Ian.News on Gloria TV, which, if you're not familiar with Gloria TV, it is a sort of hybrid social media and news site. It's run by a priest, I think, and is a Catholic site that I think is mostly user-generated content, hence its sort of hybrid nature. I recommend checking that website out. The en.news Gloria TV piece is really short on this, but I can't just read the whole thing because it does touch on some things that don't fly here, but you're going to get most of it from me. For some context, Francis spoke in his most favorite of all places to put his ideas out to the public, the in-flight dialogue with the press. I know, those are your favorite and mine. The only thing missing was Eugenio Scalfari. In this press conference, Francis just comes out and says it. Headline from Gloria TV. Francis admits that he is one step away from heresy. Okay, my first question is this. He admits to being only one step away. That's the most you'll get from me on the H-word for him, but it's pretty rich. Here's the story. Quote, During his March 8 in-flight press conference, Francis said that the faithful don't understand his focus on human fraternity and dialogue. There are criticisms that the Pope is unconsciously taking steps against Catholic doctrine and only one step away from heresy, because we need to move forward with other ways, Francis explained. He couldn't explain how steps against Catholic doctrine could possibly lead forward. Instead, he bragged that he wasn't afraid to be called a heretic for engaging in dialogue with Redacted. Francis takes risks because that specific kind of dialogue is necessary, he explained. The strange thing, dialogue, Francis doesn't bother to dialogue with his own cardinals, whom he didn't call for consultations for the past seven years. Nevertheless, for him, his choices are not capricious and correspond to the path set forth by Vatican II. However, while it can be taken for granted that Vatican II was bad, it wasn't as bad as to merit to be turned into a universal justification for every aberration the popes have since bestowed upon the church. Asked about a possible trip to Argentina, where Francis is known and therefore not loved, he jokingly noted that he had been living there for 76 years and that this should be enough. End quote. Honestly, I do like how he responded to the Argentina question. If I was Pope or a high-ranking member of the Roman Curia, I would also avoid returning home if I thought that the lay faithful there weren't exactly wild about me. That doesn't mean I approve Francis and all he does, but I thought that response was kind of funny. But this reminds me of something. The Fatima Center has an old video from around 2013 or 2014 of Father Nicholas Gruner and John Venari talking about Francis and how on the day Francis walked out onto the loggia with Cardinal Daniels and other members of the St. Gallen group, the phones of Catholic journalists began to ring with calls from the Argentinian faithful telling them that Francis was not exactly the great wonder worker he appeared to be, that he was a modernist that would have exceeded Pius X's worst dreams. 
That actually happened. And be, that's because the people of Argentina knew him. And this is why I'm going to say something that people who've been subscribed to me for a while have heard me say before. If you can, find a first edition of Austin Ivory's The Great Reformer. It's the authorized biography of Pope Francis. I say to get it because while it does a great job of painting Francis to look like a living saint, Ivory made one critical misstep. He went into great detail about Francis's time in Argentina in the 60s through 80s, where he cozied up to that country's Caesar and adopted his secular way of thinking, which we see on full display now. Whenever Francis says something that sounds remarkably Catholic, you can find an example of him saying something or doing something contradictory. And it goes back to his time in Argentina, playing both sides of the field, if you, if you get my meaning. So if you can find a first edition of that book, get a copy of it. Future editions of the book cut a lot of that material down because I guess someone from Rome told him that he had said too much. Thankfully, I have a first edition. But Francis admitting that he is on the brink of heresy requires that we revisit something from almost a month ago. An Italian commentator published a piece on his website that has since been translated to English and dispersed around the Catholic internet world, where he says that the world is without a pope. He's since backtracked on this, but that piece is still out there on numerous places, including 1 Peter 5 and others that get a lot of traffic. Now, the author, Aldo Maria Valli, is not making the set of a contest argument, but instead saying that Francis has chosen to spend his papal years working on things unrelated to the papacy. Maybe I'm characterizing what he has to say in too nice of a way, but here's an excerpt from that piece. Quote, Rome is without a pope. The thesis that I intend to support can be summarized in these five words. When I say Rome, I am not referring only to the city of which the Pope is the bishop. When I say Rome, I mean the world. I mean the present reality. The Pope, although physically present, in reality is not there, because he does not do what the Pope does. He is there, but he does not perform his duty as successor of Peter and vicar of Christ. There is Jorge Mario Bergoglio. There is not Peter. Who is the Pope? The definitions, depending on whether one wants to highlight the historical, theological, or pastoral aspect, may be different. But essentially, the Pope is the successor of Peter, and what tasks were assigned by Jesus to the Apostle Peter. On the one hand, feed my sheep. On the other hand, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This is what a Pope should do. But today, there is no one who carries out this task. And you, once you have turned back, strengthen your brothers in the faith. So says Jesus to Peter in the Gospel of Luke. But today, Peter does not shepherd his sheep, and he does not strengthen them in the faith. Why? Someone answers. Because Bergoglio does not speak about God, only about various secular issues. But this is not so. Actually, Bergoglio does speak about God, but what emerges from the whole of his preaching is a God who is not the God of the Bible, but an adulterated God. God, I would say, who is weakened, or better still, adapted. Adapted to what? To man and his demand to be justified in living as if sin did not exist. End quote. And that sums up the present pontificate. There's more to that, but I think you get the picture. What are we to call it when the man who the world sees as sitting on the throne of Peter does everything but the most important part of the role he has in the church, the feeding of Christ's flock? What are we to think when Peter partners with Caesar, when he abandons the depositum fide? 
This combined with his own admission that he is on the brink of heresy, I mean, he does not care because the issues of the world are more important than the truths of Christ, should be getting the faithful to fall to their knees and beg God's intervention. But instead, we don't get that. We get a story that only a frankly obscure website is reporting, and few, if any, other Catholic voices are talking about. Francis admitting this is a big deal and should be taken very seriously. I know that many of you don't have the hesitation of applying the heresy word to him, but I like to avoid doing it overtly. That's your business, but it, it, isn't it telling that no one is talking about this stunning admission from him? I mean, think about it. Whenever we talk about bad pontiffs, we inevitably have someone toss the quote of St. Teresa in response who says that even if we had a monster sitting on the throne of Peter, that we must cling to him. Maybe the worst she could envision was someone like Alexander VI, whose private life was nightmarish in its immorality, but he never himself taught heresy, formerly or otherwise. But the response to this should always come from St. Cajetan, who said that we must, we must always stand, stand for the truth, even if we have a pope who openly opposes the church. Of course, there is the point that says a pope loses his office if he were to be a formal heretic. And if Francis says he's on the brink of that, then that means he understands a formal versus material distinction on this issue. It's truly strange times we live in, and that is why I keep hammering on and on about the penitential rosary. I'll feature a video on the penitential rosary and everything involved in it this weekend. And I am calling for Catholics who are listening to at least one time in Lent to say the penitential rosary, which is different than the normal rosary and should not under any circumstances replace your traditional rosary, which you should be saying daily. No other devotion should replace it, period. But keep an eye out for that video because it is Lent, and it is in these times, in these days, that acts of penance should be taken for all we see going on in the church, whether or not you are in a state of grace, you should be saying the rosary and doing acts of penance. You can do acts of penance all year. And frankly, you should. But in Lent, it is the season of penance in the church. Embrace it and live a more Catholic life in so doing, in these times when we are actively discouraged from doing so. So there we are. Francis speaks and tells us what he really thinks. It's been a long while since we've had one of these airline press conference stories for obvious reasons, I think. But he's now back to his globe-trotting ways, and the world waits with bated breath to see what comes next. This begs a question. Will we get another Eugenio Scalfari interview soon? Those really are the gifts that keep on giving. And if you don't know who Scalfari is, he's an Italian commentator who doesn't share our faith, and Francis has given him 20 or so interviews since 2013, calls him like one of his best friends. And about 80% of those interviews have had Francis saying some very bizarre things that go well beyond him saying that he is on the brink of anything. Those interviews, if true, would show that he is already there. But that's the rub. Scalfari takes no notes, and writes his pieces based entirely off his memory, and the Vatican has only clarified or refuted what he has said about Francis a few times. Think about that. Think about the implications of that. What do you think of this? Let me know in the comments, please. And like and subscribe. It does help a lot. and helps to foster this channel's community. My thought is that Francis is feeling bolder and bolder as things progress. And as I'll explain tomorrow, it looks like Francis is preparing for a conclave, and in so doing, he is feeling more bold than he has ever felt before. So he is admitting things publicly that he wouldn't have admitted even two years ago. So stay tuned to this channel for updates on that, because I'll be there to cover it, God willing. As always, pray for the Church. Thank you for listening. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.